Well, today we're concluding our message series, Living in the Spirit. You know, for many people, the Holy Spirit is the least known member of the Trinity. Many churches talk about Jesus, they talk about the Father, but give little attention to the Holy Spirit. And so I trust that this series that we've been through will give us a better appreciation of who the Spirit is and how He wants to work and be engaged in our lives and in our world today. If you missed any of the messages in this series, Living in the Spirit, you can uh, watch them online on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. It also has the message notes there for you to download as well. So we'd encourage you uh, to watch if you miss a Sunday. Recently updated the look of our website, so if you haven't looked at it recently, uh, check it out. Today, as I said, is our final concluding message in the series, and I've entitled it The Work of the Spirit. We're going to look at an overview of what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is talked about in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, but yet somehow we seem to just gloss over, skip over all the things the Bible tells us about the Spirit. Now, I'd like to encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline there. You can take some notes as well as study questions on the back. And uh, we encourage you to, if you're not in a life group that's going over the study questions, use the study questions in your daily time with God. Uh, take them home, write out the answers. If you have questions, you can always email me and uh, I'll, I'll help you out. But uh, we encourage you to take time to study God's Word so that you can understand it and apply it to your life. The Holy Spirit has been active since creation. Very The second verse in the Bible is Genesis 1, verse 2, mentions the Holy Spirit. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the Spirit was the power of God active in the very process of creation. The Spirit was the one who carried out the Word of God, who created the physical universe in response to God's Word. The Holy Spirit was the power behind the conception of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Luke 1.35, the angel is talking to Mary and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So Jesus, God's Son, was born some 2,000 years ago, both fully human and fully divine. His human nature came from Mary, through Mary, and His divine nature through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as Jesus went about His ministry, was there, it was the power behind Jesus' words, and the Holy Spirit was the power behind Jesus' miracles. One example, Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so it was the power of the Spirit working through Jesus Christ. Some people think, well, he was the Son of God, he could do whatever. Well, it was the power of the Spirit working through Jesus that gave him the power to do miracles. In this case, drive out demons, heal people, and the other miracles he did as well. And so as Jesus lived his life, ministered in the power of the Spirit, so we need that same power in our lives today. Oftentimes we forget what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but what does it mean? To be a follower of Jesus 
means that we allow his spirit to make us more and more like Jesus. To be a Christian is to be someone who is like Christ, and the Holy Spirit can transform us in our inner being to become more and more like Jesus. But not only are we to be like Jesus, the Spirit helps us to do the things that Jesus did. We ought to act like Jesus did. We ought to be able to help people like Jesus did. And so, as followers of Jesus, through His Spirit, we are to be like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. Now today we're going to look at uh, 10 ways, got 10 points this morning. I think it's a world record for me. And there's no clapping going on. I wonder why. 10 ways that the Spirit works in our lives. There's no sub points though, okay? So you're good. It works in our lives and world. So the Spirit's goal today is that we appreciate what He does, that we have our minds open to all the ways, all the work of the Spirit in our lives and in our world, and that we seek Him to be active in our lives and in our church increasingly, that His power might be displayed. The first, the first work of the Spirit we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. John fifteen twenty six, Jesus says, When the Counselor comes who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And so Jesus here tells us what I believe is the most important function of the Holy Spirit. It is to testify, to witness, to exalt Jesus, to lift him up, to point towards Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't exalt himself. He lifts Jesus up in everything he does. How does the Spirit do that? Well, the the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus through the lives of believers. The Spirit speaks to believers and he encourages us to put Jesus first in our lives. The prophetic words that the Spirit gives do not exalt spiritual gifts as an end of themselves, as an end to themselves, but as a vehicle to lift Jesus up, to draw people to Jesus. And this work of the Spirit gives us a principle to actually discern whether a, an activity of the Spirit is from the Spirit or not. We need to ask the question, is it exalting Jesus or something else? If it's exalting Jesus and what He wants to do in and through our lives and through His church, then it is a sign that it is from the Holy Spirit. Ministries that are faithful to the Holy Spirit will always place their main emphasis on Jesus, place their main emphasis on leading people to become believers and to grow in Jesus Christ. And so let's pray that the Holy Spirit would exalt Jesus in our lives and in our church. Number two, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Jesus said in John 16, verse 8 through 11, when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so the Holy Spirit has come to convict sinners of their sin, and he does it in three ways. First of all, the Holy Spirit awakens in a sinner's heart the guilt for the sin that they've done. And the primary sin 
that is in every unbeliever is that they have not believed in Jesus Christ. That is the sin that leads you to hell. Now, there's all kinds of other sins there, but Jesus can forgive those sins. But you have to believe in him. And so each person who is not a Christian, their greatest sin is not believing in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit can convict them of that sin. Secondly, the Spirit convicts sinners of righteousness, of the righteousness and perfection of Jesus. That Jesus was perfect. He lived a perfect life. He is the example that we were supposed to be like. And yet we've fallen short. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of the example of Jesus. And falling short is our sin. Thirdly, the Spirit convicts sinners of the coming judgment. That all is not going to go on as it has in the past. That one day, Jesus Christ is going to return and there is going to be a judgment that separates the believers from the unbelievers, the righteous from the sinners. And you're either going to go one way or the other way. Those who have not believed will be condemned to hell and those who have believed will enter into eternal life in heaven. So often we try to convince people to believe in Jesus. We try to argue them into the kingdom of God. And we forget that it's the Holy Spirit that works in their hearts to convict. And so our job is to be a witness for Jesus. But the Spirit's job is to convict people. And so as he convicts them, they repent of their sin and they turn in faith to Jesus. Christ. Until a sinner is convicted in their heart by the Holy Spirit, they're never going to become a believer. And so we should pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would convict the people that you know who are not yet believers, that he would convict them of their sin, because without conviction of sin, they will never believe. Next, the Holy Spirit, once a person is convicted of sin and puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit causes a person to be born again. John 3, verse 5, Jesus answered and said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now this passage is taken from Jesus talking to Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus was asking him what it meant to be born again, and Jesus has said, through the work of the Spirit, as he cleanses of sin and as he convicts that a person is born again, and only those who are born again can enter the kingdom of God. Only those who are born again can experience eternal life. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit could be not only with believers as he was in the Old Testament, but he could be within believers. He could live inside of them. Jesus said in John 20, 22, uh, well, he didn't say it. This is what happened. With that, he breathed on them. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And at that point, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of the disciples. They were born again. And from that point onward, everyone who believed received the Spirit and was born again through the power of the Spirit. As we're going to talk about in a few minutes, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience for believers who are already born again, who already have the Spirit living inside of them. And so, the Holy Spirit lives in you. 2 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you now have received from God? You are not your own. 
And so in the Old Testament, the presence and glory of God dwelt in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could enter once a year. It was so glorious. But in the New Testament era, the body of the believer, your body if you're a believer here this morning, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He dwells inside of you. And it says in this verse, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you are not your own. You've given yourself to Jesus Christ as your Lord. You've accepted his spirit to live in your life. And you've been bought with a price, the very life of Jesus Christ. And so the spirit lives in you to change you to become more and more like Jesus. Sometimes we talk about things so often we forget the implication. God himself by his spirit lives inside of us. That's really incredible. So pray that our lives would exhibit the character and power of God living inside of us. We are not our own. We are to follow him and what he tells us to do as his spirit lives in us. As the Holy Spirit lives in us, the Holy Spirit seals us. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is a mark. It's a seal that God owns you, that you belong to God. In the times in which this was written, when letters were sent, scrolls were sent, to mark the sender, there was a molten wax was put on the seal of an envelope or a scroll, and a, a signet ring was pressed into the wax, which had a certain design that identified the person. And so things were sealed to show ownership, to show authorship. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit, His seal is upon our life. The imprint of the Holy Spirit is in us, marking us as being owned by God. The seal of the Holy Spirit is an indication that we are children of God and that God has an inheritance waiting for us. And wouldn't we all want to have some great uncle, you know, who's a billionaire and we have this inheritance at some point in the future. Well, we have an inheritance that's far better than any millionaire, billionaire, what you may, what you may say, waiting for us in eternity, an inheritance that will never go away, an inheritance reserved to us and promised through the seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit protects you from anything that could take you away from God. It keeps you in the love of God. Nothing external can separate you from the love of God that's been poured out in your heart through the Holy Spirit. As long as you keep believing, you are safe underneath the Spirit's seal. So pray that the knowledge of the seal of the Holy Spirit in your life would keep you in God's will. Not only are you sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides you. Jesus said in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so the Holy Spirit is sent to guide believers. You're not on your own. You don't have to figure out what to do. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you in every single decision you have to make in life, not just in spiritual matters. But every time you have to decide to do A or B or ABC or whatever it may be, the Spirit is there to help you make the right decision, the decision that is keeping in keeping with God's will. And the Spirit cares about every decision that you have to make. Sometimes we think, well, the Spirit cares about you know church stuff and spiritual stuff, but I have a lot of other things to do. And I'll just kind of carry on by myself. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. The Spirit wants to be involved in every decision you make. He will help you make the decision, decisions in your life regarding your relationships, regarding your job, regarding every aspect of your life. There's no area of your life that the Holy Spirit does not want to guide you in. And the Holy Spirit can guide you because unlike any other guidance you may Look to the Holy Spirit knows the past. He knows everything about the present. And he knows what's going to come in the future. Or no other system of guidance can possibly know all of that. So pray that each of us, pray that you will be better able to hear and to follow the guidance of the Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit leads us to worship. Uh, Jesus said in John 4.24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. And so as the spirit exalts Jesus, we exalt him by worshiping him. And the spirit encourages us and leads us into that worship. Worship is, is not something external. It's not, it's not um, first and foremost what we do with our bodies. I mean, just because I raise my hands, that doesn't mean I'm necessarily worshiping. Like, when else do people raise their hands and jump around? <laughs> okay, I shouldn't open this up to questions. <laughs> okay. You know, in a sporting event, everybody jumps and cheers and raises their hand. They're not worshiping God. Uh, I don't know if they're worshiping anything, I'm worshiping the quarterback, whatever. Um, and yes, it is, a, it, is a, uh, it is a sign of surrender to God. That's right, Joe. And, uh, but worship is not primarily what we do with our bodies. If we're truly worshiping, our bodies will get engaged. But true worship is worship in the Holy Spirit and in truth. True worship engages your mind. I mean, because I have my hands up and I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch, you know, I'm not really worshiping. My mind must be engaged and my spirit must be engaged. The Holy Spirit helps us worship. When people are filled with the Spirit, when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it opens us up to a new dimension of worship. It happened in my life. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I began to worship God and understand worship in a new way. I began to engage in a way that I never had before. And so pray that the Holy Spirit would help you to grow in worship each and every day. And worship is not just for Sunday mornings. Yes, we do worship together as a church family, as a church body, but 
worship, we should worship God each and every day of our lives, all through the day. We should be a life of worship, worshiping God. Next, the Holy Spirit. We're already on point eight, flying through. Point eight, the Holy Spirit empowers you for witness. Acts 1.8, which you really should all know by heart by now, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had already risen from the dead and he was instructing his disciples what to do. He said, don't do anything. Don't pass go. Don't go out. Don't start witnessing. Don't do anything but wait and pray until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the power to be an effective witness for Jesus comes through the Spirit. The Spirit gives us the courage and boldness to speak for Jesus. Even in pressure situations, the Spirit gives the power to move in spiritual gifts. And the gifts of the Spirit are not just meant for exercise in a church meeting. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to empower you in your witness. When you're praying for somebody who needs a touch of God, when you're talking to somebody who God wants to reveal the secrets of their heart, the gifts of the Spirit are meant to be the tools that we use in witnessing. If you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you look at the examples of the believers in the book of Acts, you see them using spiritual gifts as they witness the people becoming effective that way. The Spirit gives us guidance to know when and what to say in every circumstance. He speaks to us and gives us words to say. And so we need the Spirit's power to lead people to Jesus. It's not an easy task. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it by trying to argue people into the kingdom. We can't do it by just simply, not that it's wrong to invite people to church, but God has to move on people's hearts in order for them to feel a need to be connected with God. We need the Spirit's power. And so pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the power to be a witness for Jesus. Each one of us knows people in our lives, many of them close to us, that are not yet believers. How are you going to reach them? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand and apply God's Word. Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, other scriptures tell us that it's, the Holy Spirit is really the author of Scripture. You know, who is the author of the Bible? We say, well, you know, Moses wrote this part and John. No, it's really the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit inspired men of God with God's very words and they simply wrote it down. The true author of Scripture <clears throat> is the Holy Spirit. And so not only is the Holy Spirit the author of Scripture, if he wrote it down, he's the one who can teach us what it means. He's the one who can help us understand what God's word is saying to us and how to apply it to our lives. In this verse, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of, remind the disciples of what he said to them. And that applies to us. 
the Holy Spirit will remind us of what we've read in His Word. Now, of course, if you haven't read the Bible, can He remind you of what you haven't read? No. So we have a part to play, too. Uh, we have to read it, but the Holy Spirit will bring it to our remembrance when we need to apply it in a particular situation in our lives. Holy Spirit uses many different means to help us understand God's Word. Uh, first of all, as I said, we need to take time to read it regularly every day, to read God's Word every day. All of us do a lot of things every day by habit, don't we? We brush our teeth, we sleep, we eat. Or you name a bunch of other things, probably of less importance than those, that we all do every day. Well, we need to have a, a good habit of reading God's Word each and every day. So the Holy Spirit can take that and use it in our lives. We must be open to those God has placed in the church to teach us in different settings God's Word, to open our minds to see things in a different light, to highlight things that are important for us right now. God has a way of doing that. We must have ears to hear and a heart to obey what the Spirit is speaking to us individually. God wants to speak to you through His Word. But you have to have ears to hear and a heart to obey in order to hear what God is saying to you. The Bible is not just a book to be understood. It's a book to be applied. In the book of James, the book of James says that you're not blessed simply by hearing God's word or reading God's word. It says, don't be deceived. A lot of people are deceived. I read God's word today, I'm blessed. I attended five Bible studies this week, I'm super blessed. Well, it says, don't be deceived. Unless you are doing what it says, that's where the blessing comes, putting it into practice, not just understanding it, not just becoming an expert in the Bible. You need to put it into practice. Some people spend too much time studying the Bible. Some people spend too much time going to Bible studies and thinking they're being blessed when they actually should be putting it into practice rather than just studying it. You're blessed when you apply what you learn. So pray that the Spirit would help you to understand and apply God's Word. Finally, the Holy Spirit will transform your mortal body. Romans 8, 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and if you're a believer, He's living in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Now, what's a mortal body? A mortal body is what we have. A mortal body is going to die. It's the opposite of an immortal body. Our bodies are subject to death. Our bodies are subject to pain and all kinds of other things. But the hope of every believer is that when Jesus Christ returns, these mortal bodies, subject to death and pain and all kinds of other things, will be transformed into immortal bodies, glorified bodies, the same kind of body that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. The kind of body that will allow us to live with him forever and ever. And so whenever you get an ache or pain or something goes wrong with your body, anybody have any of those? Remember, better things are coming. One day you're going to be able to trade in this mortal body for a model that will never wear out. 
that's never going to die, that has no aches, has no pains, is going to allow you to spend eternity with Jesus Christ, courtesy of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to transform our bodies. And so pray that the promise of Christ's return, the promise of his coming would be an encouragement to you. Rather than being discouraged about the things going on, look to the future and what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And so the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit from Genesis through Revelation. This could have been a 20-point message. Aren't you all glad it wasn't? But these were 10 points. Uh, 10 points, 10 different works of the Holy Spirit. And so that's a lot of points. I understand you're not going to assimilate all, but look over the list this week in your time with God and say, God, Holy Spirit, which of these do you want me to work on? Holy Spirit, which of these am I weak on? I, I haven't thought about before. Which of these do I need to apply to my life? And then begin to pray over the scriptures on those one, two, three points, whatever the Holy Spirit highlights to you. And it's going to be different for each and every person. Perhaps on your heart is, is a lost relative who's not saved. And you've tried, you've done different things, you don't know. But perhaps you need the Spirit's help to be a witness. You need the Spirit's help to convict that heart. Then those are the points you should pray about. Maybe you need the Spirit's help to resist temptation. You're dealing with some besetting sin and you can't get victory over it. You need the Spirit to help you to resist temptation and to live a holy life. Then look at those points. Or perhaps you need the Spirit's decision. I mean, the Spirit's wisdom to help you in a decision. You need the Spirit's guidance and begin to pray over those verses and say, God, your word says the Spirit is going to guide me. I need his guidance. I need to make this decision. Please show me which way to go. Whatever it may be, whatever you may need, the Spirit is there to give you what you need to carry out His plan for your life. That's how we are to live our lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there may be some here today who aren't sure the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Now, if the Holy Spirit's not living inside of you, you're not a believer. And so, the Holy Spirit, the whole other thing, the Holy Spirit assures us that we're children of God. The Holy Spirit tells us that we're children of God. He speaks to us and assures us. And so all true believers have this assurance that they are God's children because the Holy Spirit tells them. If you don't have that assurance, I'd encourage you to pray with me this morning to make sure you have that assurance. And sometimes people have made a commitment in the past and then they've fallen away. They've done things that are wrong. They know they're wrong. They don't feel close to God anymore. And God would have you to recommit your life to him this morning so that the Holy Spirit is not off in a corner, so the Holy Spirit has access to your life once again. And so to do that, we're going to pray a simple prayer in which you admit that you've sinned, you've done wrong things. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. You invite him into your life. And really what that means, you invite his Holy Spirit into your life. It's the Spirit that lives inside of you. Jesus is in heaven. He lives inside of you through his spirit. And Jesus has a body. Jesus can't actually live in your heart. It's the spirit that lives in your heart. And finally, you commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. And I'd encourage you to pray along with me if you want to 
Commit your life to him for the first time and recommit your life. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I'm not sure if I'm a believer. I believe in God, but I don't hear your spirit speaking to me. But today, I make a choice to believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose from the dead, and I invite him through the Holy Spirit, into my life. I commit my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I open my ears to hearing from the Holy Spirit each and every day and following His guidance. In His name, I pray. Amen.